the upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. Let's get it going right here, right now. This is New Generation Declassified, and you're listening to a all-new New Generation Declassified here in live and in living color on the two-man power trip of wrestling podcasting empire. If you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and every single week I'm joined here by my crack broadcast team to take you back in time and explore an era that has seen a lot of uh, different things go through it, but a lot of people have forgotten it, and we're going to help you remember some of it today on a brand new episode of This New Generation Declassified. So before we get things rolling and we talk about some of the merchandise of the New Generation era, I want to welcome in first in the co-hosting chair, uh, sitting underneath me in a box right now as we speak in wonderful, glorious, beautiful, maybe, New, new Jersey. He is Mr. CP. CP, how's everything going in your neck of the woods? Everything's uh, going perfect here. I'm enjoying a nice little beverage with some lemons in it, and I'm excited to talk about some nostalgic merchandise. No uh, no swamp fights, no eyeball taken out fights, just some good old classic merch. <laughs> Maybe we'll talk about a little karate fighters. How about that? That can be uh, one of the things <laughs> we talk one. about. And then uh, underneath him, the man uh, who's clicking all the clicks that make us see the uh, images in front of us that we then can translate to you. If we see something cool, Mr. Timmy W down there in the sunshine state of Florida, it's hot. It's probably muggy and it's probably raining in some place down there in Florida, but Timmy, hope you're surviving. Still alive down here. I'm ready to break out my phone finger. Yeah, he's very creepily like laying down this week, and it's uh, it's really distracting. So I just have to learn to not look at him. And then we're going to welcome in a special guest, a very good friend of mine, which always means uh, that that's 100% truth. So I can only be uh, as happy as I can be to welcome in Mr. Nick Massey, the captain of Captain's Corner, joining us today to talk about conventions, to talk about the merch, and the superstars of the new generation. Nick, thank you for joining us tonight. Chadster, uh, CP, thank you for having me. Uh, I, if, I love to talk, and when it's about conventions, wrestling, and especially from the 90s, uh, now you, that's the trifecta. So I'm up for whatever we're going to talk about. I, I can't wait to see what you guys have coming my way. Yeah, absolutely. I was also going to call you the uh, the Facebook Live King. Because oh, this stop guy, it. Stop. He was on marathon on uh, on Saturday night, was it? Or yeah, you were Saturday. Rocking we, and rolling. The, we had the man, the myth, the legend of uh, Virgil, and uh, Virgil was telling all kinds of stories. Uh, some true, some true in his <laughs> mind, and uh, some maybe not even true in his mind. But it was entertaining, nevertheless. Two hours of, of entertainment from uh, Virgil himself. And then you in the late night. Don't think I didn't see it. I saw when you <laughs> late night around. was just At me. Midnight. And- me a few adult beverages and uh yeah just uh i I really coming out my mouth was the truth at that point so uh for better or worse virgil was probably still there in his head at that point or sleeping on his couch i have a funny story i haven't actually talked to virgil since saturday night but i think he missed his flight because uh i got i got updates throughout the day on his flight 
being ready for uh, for takeoff, which makes me think he he must have called up and had a change because he's supposed to leave at seven ten. He was not supposed to leave at four thirty when it seems like he departed. So uh, I'll confirm <laughs> with him later in the week. <laughs> I was gonna say I thought maybe he was in the background uh, sleeping on your recliner right or something. Now, <laughs> yeah, well, don't give him any ideas, Virgil. Virgil, if you're listening at home, I love you, but uh, you know you can't come up to the captain's cave. <laughs> very nice yeah now nick's doing a great job he's uh he's taking advantage of this time to reach out to the customers that normally we'd all be passing at conventions we at this point we would have gone basically through uh some of the you know late spring well obviously WrestleCon, and then some of the spring conventions into the summer and looking down the uh you know the old pike at the fall conventions that are up uh in the air except for your convention, Nick, oh, which we can uh, talk about now and we'll talk about later on. But let's talk about the Wrestling Classic on uh, September 19th. Well, I'd like to start by saying uh, the Wrestling Classic has the best graphic guy around. Yes, so uh, I, I don't know how long he's been doing it, but man, he's he's about as pro as it gets. So I want, I want <laughs> to start by, start by saying that. Uh, but yeah, the Wrestling Classic, September 19th, is going to be at the Doubletree Hartford. Uh, no Stan Lane. But uh, <laughs> or Jerry Jarrett, <laughs> uh, we do have Sergeant Slaughter, Ricky Steamboat. Uh, we're announcing some other guests later this week. Cowboy Bob Orton, and uh, yeah, a ton of a ton of names from all different eras. Some you know the '80s, this era, the '90s. Uh, more recent guests, you know, younger younger guests like Lance Archer, Nyla Rose, Deanna Perrazzo, who I believe is the new Impact Women's Champ. So uh, yeah, if you're a wrestling fan, you go to www.therestlingclassicct.com and see the whole guest list. We've got uh, over 30 guests announced already. Unbelievable. And what we're watching here on our end in the background, I'm I'm about to be mesmerized by, and it's the WWF Mania from WrestleMania 10 weekend, Nick, nice. where the they had the one of the first WrestleMania fan fests in the light of talking about a convention and a fan fest and the macho man making his way through a sea of humanity and a lot of excited kids. <laughs> and an excited Oscar. <laughs> it's uh it's a sight to be seen, but um, we're going to talk about the merch today with Nick and of course with our crew and uh, in that era, the, the mid nineties, you know, when I wanted Nick on this show for this reason, Nick sees a lot of stuff go past the superstars at the conventions and you see a lot of things And this era falls into a funny one where if it, it wasn't at its peak in terms of what was available, but what was out there has a lot of collectability still today. And when you see it, you know it because there's things that you can still pop up and say, wow, this is something I never knew existed. And more than likely, it kind of falls into this mid-90s bin. And one thing I love in this clip is these kids are holding up for the Macho Man, a, a New York Daily News-inspired poster that you would have gotten for this fan fest, this WrestleMania 10 fan fest, which I'm sure Nick probably doesn't even realize it, but he's probably seen it go by some of his guys at these conventions because oh, that's sure. one of the cool I'm things sure. you see at these kinds of shows. And, and that's one of my bigger regrets, not going to this WrestleMania 10 fan fest. Uh, you know, I, I, it was one of those things where uh, I remember seeing clips, of course. They probably did a montage uh, during the WrestleMania pay-per-view. I know I saw clips after the fact, but yeah, it seemed like it would have been a great time. It would have been eight or nine at the time. So, God, I can only imagine Randy Savage walking by me, you know, much <laughs> less Stan Lane, sweet Stan Lane. I know. I, I see. I can see you marking out more for Stan Lane. Oh, I'm uh, a big Stan it, Lane guy. That's Absolutely. one of the one of the captain specialties is a lot more of the abstract names. Uh, so that's <laughs> uh, that's what that's what we love about the captain. But CP, who did attend WrestleMania 10, 
did not attend the WrestleMania 10 Fan Fest. Really? I did not attend the Fan Fest. There was only so much I could drag my poor pops to. I was definitely into the the famous merch stands that I think we discussed on a prior episode where I didn't have to deal with the general public at that time, which is always very exciting to me. Yes, absolutely. And the merch stands, yeah, we've talked about them before a couple episodes ago about the house shows. And one of the key highlights of going to a house show was booking it straight to the merch stand and wherever you were positioned and, you know, and going to the garden a lot. But I kind of think of the Meadowlands more in the way the Meadowlands was positioned, you know, literally running around that circle on the main concourse floor of going to different merch stands just to see if they had a different T-shirt or a different foam finger or a different magazine or a program. Um, because that was where a lot of it was. It was centric to the house shows or the merchandise catalog that would be in the middle of the WWF magazine, because by 93, 94, you know, the action figures were a little harder to find. You could get the, the, the WWF magazine on the newsstand, but outside of that, there really wasn't that much else to kind of seek out. So it was those places. So if you were looking for your merch, Nick, where would you go? Would you go to the magazine or would you be waiting to go to a house show? So, well, I actually was uh, a WWF magazine subscriber from probably around summer 88 until I got to high school. So around around 98. Um, yeah, no. Uh, so I had the magazine coming to my house all the time. I never ordered from the catalog, though. But oh, the catalog okay. kind of gave me an idea of everything that was coming out. You know, so with the figures, you go to your local Toys R Us or KB Toy Stores. When I would go to house shows, that when I would, that's when I would get the shirts, you know, right. and uh, some other knickknacks. Yeah, CP, I mean, I remember from growing up, this kid had the foam, everything, you know, Razor Ramon chain, you know, the... Nice. The, the, oh, well, just popping by our screen. Well, there, there they are. Hasbro's. Yeah. Thank <laughs> and, you, Oko. Great. Oh, and if you saw the Hulk Hogan at the bottom there, too, that was... I didn't uh, see it. Oh, the, uh, the, the mail-away Hulk Hogan, but... Timmy, pause this. We're going to get too distracted right now. But so, CP, you were one of those guys. You had all those cool foam fingers. You had the, the you know, the, the house show style merchandise. Did you wait for the house shows or did you get it from the magazine? Oh, Same man. question I posed to Nick. Oh, very similar to Nick. I think I did order once or twice from the magazine, a couple of random things. I was also a subscriber, although not, I think I started in like 91 or something like that. But uh, yeah, I pretty much bought all my merch at the house shows or yeah, anything at Toys R Us. I was always raiding the Toys R Us section when I'd get my parents to drag me there. Yeah, it's weird because the Hasbros were really the only piece of merchandise I feel like we really had access to because, you know, even by that point, there weren't as many trading card sets. There would be a couple, but there wasn't a lot. Uh, The WWF, I believe, like WCW, kind of, they delved into the Pog world. There was some Pogs. Yeah, they did. Absolutely. At one point. And Nick brought up something when I was talking to Nick the other day about asking him to come on. He mentioned something that was right at the tail end of that old, right before it era, that we couldn't even find those then. And this is a great one. I just have to mention this because it popped me. The squirt heads. If you remember yeah. the, the, the head, <laughs> literally you put them in the, the pool or the bath or the shower, wherever you're playing with them, the sink, and you, whoop, you squirt the little out of their mouth. Uh, squirt heads were a little weird, but <laughs> nonetheless. I, I can't see them ever coming out with that now, but uh, yeah, for its time, absolutely. It was, <laughs> they worked. But they weren't on that kind of stuff at that point, which is, is yeah. weird, you know? It's like they were such a hot commodity with your Hogan's and the Warrior and, and Macho Man in the 80s, but that mid-90s, you know, you didn't go to any store and find a Bret Hart lunchbox 
you know, or a Lex Luger, you know, notebook. You, you didn't see this stuff like you had a few years earlier. So the Hasbros coming out in, yes, 1990, but by 93, you now had your chance to get all the different ones from the past years still at a KB Toys or a Toys R Us or a side store. You know, you, whenever anybody found like those offshoot like department stores or pharmacies or something. And they had a, an old uh, figure sitting on the peg. It was like finding gold, right? And that's all we had was the Hasbro. So we'll start with CP. We'll work our way down. I know you were a big Hasbro collector. We all were. But, you know, talk about them if you can, especially during this era and, and kind of the hunt you went on to, to find them. Uh, my main hunt was mainly Toys R Us and KB. But basically, as you said, any random uh kind of old like dirty department store uh like that wasn't a chain they usually you could usually find some little random wrestling things uh to pop in but one of my uh one of my favorite memories of hasbro is just me being way too old to play with wrestling figures but playing with wrestling figures <laughs> and combining generations i i think i had yokozuna defend the wwf title against smash in my bedroom three times <laughs> And Smash won that title. At least. I was going to say Smash definitely went over. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for admitting that on this show. That, oh, uh, yeah, no that takes a lot. It's very big of you <laughs> to uh, to go ahead and do that. Uh, but how about you, Timmy? Did you collect the uh, the Hasbro figures at all? Oh, I sure did. I remember um, as a kid, I'd always have to like sell my old toys to get new ones. So I had to get rid of my whole He-Man collection to start <laughs> collecting my uh, Hasbro figures at that point in my life. But, you know, sad to see one generation of me go. But uh, it was uh, it was great because I, I had most of my still like you guys is Hasbro or KB Toys and Toys R Us. I mostly got mine in. Um, I still remember like one of my best memories was for Christmas getting the uh, steel blue cage to go around the ring. And that was just like the best thing you could ever get is, you know, for, for a wrestling fan at that point for a kid getting that ring to throw them against. Oh, man. Yeah, no, absolutely. I remember my, my ring very well, uh, the origins of it, uh, the whole nine yards. How about you, Nick? So now the Hasbros, and this is a little transition from talking about your collecting growing up to then what we kind of see today at the conventions. But how about you with the Hasbros? Where'd you, uh, wh wh where was your start? And give us one that was like your, your white whale that you couldn't find. How about okay, that? Okay, <laughs> we'll, we'll get to the white whale. But what I loved about Hasbros was that uh, – so um, I, I had wrestling figures before I even remember getting them. My dad was a big fan, so he would buy the LJNs and then the AWA Remcos. Oh, so nice. I, I remember the very tail end of LJNs, like getting a Demolition Axe and then my, my buddy having a Rip Root and a Warrior and not knowing how he got it and where he got it from and not being able to get it. But then, you know, a year or two later when the, the Hasbros came out, you know, getting Hogan, getting Macho, Andre. But the cool thing was that I'd be able to match them up with my Remco guys and then eventually right. my WCW guys. You know, so they were all similar in sizes and you'd be able to have like a real fig promotion with it, you know, as opposed to the LJNs that would just dominate everybody. Yeah, you just had right. Captain Blue come in like Andre the Giant. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, so, so who's the white whale? Tell, tell us your white whale. I, I mean, I, I never got anything from that green card set, you know, okay. so it would have to be anyone from that green card set. So maybe like an Adam bomb or Ludwig Borga, just cause when I saw those yeah. existed, I, I've never, I never even saw them in stores. So right. I saw them being advertised in the magazines or people 
people having them in magazines or even at the shows. And I'd be like, I don't know where these people live or I don't know where I live, but why can't I get them at KB Toy Stores or Toys R Us? And then I later found out, I guess, you know, a production, they weren't in as many stores. Right. So uh, it would be, I, I, I thought about actually, I, I'm thankful my wife's upstairs. I thought about buying an entire green card set within the last year or two. Oh, so I didn't, be I didn't pull the You'll be sleeping up. up. You'll be sleeping out in the backyard. Uh, well, especially <laughs> now, right, brother? Oh my god! Yeah. No, it's crazy because you know. So just to give you a little bit of context, so the the green card series of the Hasbro's is the last series and came out. And basically, the line had been canceled while this was in, this and an orange card series were in production. Well, the green card series made it out, whereas the orange cards did not. Really? So the, the orange cards would have been Men on a Mission. It would have been Made in the USA, Lex Luger. It would have been Big Daddy Cool Diesel. It would have been another Shawn Michaels. And I believe a Bastion Booger might have made no. it into. Yeah, I'm almost <laughs> positive that was it. I could be wrong. Maybe I'm wrong on, on Booger. But I know for sure it was. Oh, no, it wasn't Booger. It was Jeff Jarrett. That's who it was. Okay. okay. And that would have been pretty cool. You were going to get Music City, you know, country music star Jeff Jarrett in that orange card series. But the green cards didn't have a big production. So when they hit the stores, guys who were in our bin, our age group that would have been actively searching for the figures, we were like asleep during this because they didn't hit the the, the pegs until like the end of 94 into 95. So they came in quick and they came out as we're kind of still on the hunt for some of these older you know, I'm still looking for, you know, uh, the, the Bam Bam Bigelow from the Red Series. Really? And, you know, and, and then here we go. I now I needed I didn't know these green cards existed until I started reading toy magazines in like 95. Mm -hmm. yeah. So uh, yeah. right afterwards. But it parallels the LJNs where the Black Series came out after the line was canceled and was only distributed in small amounts. So that's the green cards. And now, Nick, to kind of start with you and talk about the conventions, we see them all the time. We see sure. the green card yeah. Hasbros. I mean, I worked with Sean Waltman, and I saw a guy that literally it looks like he took this thing right out of a fresh case and mm -hmm. brought it and put it in front of uh, Sean Waltman. And when we get to see that kind of stuff, it takes you back to being a mark. It takes you oh, back to being absolutely. a fan and being like, holy shit, where did he get that? It, it's not uh, Sean Waltman, but I have a couple of decent shape. Uh, oh, look at him. Moves. Samu's over here. Uh, I'll be doing nice. something with him in a few weeks. Uh, spoiler alert. But, um, oh, my God. I see, I see the Hasbro's a lot more in on card. And I think in general, probably than I do LJNs. I think, I think wrestling was just so hot in that, you know, 89, 90, 91 period. And I feel like kids were really jumping on board there. And, uh, you know, now, I mean, you, you know, more than anyone, Chad, that, that figure market's just at all, I probably, I would guess at an all time high right now to yeah. where stuff's just going for more than it ever has, or anyone could have ever imagined. But anytime you see anything, you know, on card from that, that time period, it's, yeah, it's pretty cool. I'm, I'm a, I'm a big mark for that. Or, you know, the old school programs or posters that you'd see in the magazines, you know, or even event posters. Yeah. How about the T-shirts? Now, CP, I mean, again, going to house shows and the garden and, and Nick, we were talking about a few weeks ago. Uh, CP was actually at the uh, he was at the garden house show where Diesel wins the world title from Bob nice. Backlund. 
So, and he had the ticket forever. I remember him, him <laughs> showing it all the time. But t-shirts, that was like, I would put as like a B underneath the figures from that era mm -hmm. that the t-shirts, they still have a, a large collectability now, but sure. it being one of the more, you know, like only things we had to, to really get. Talk about some of the t-shirts there, CP. Some favorites, uh, some you had, some maybe you wanted. Let's, uh, let's kind of delve into that. Yeah, I mean, I think... Um, I guess it's hacky for the era, but I had the classic Razor Ramon shirt at one time with his face. And the, <laughs> I had basically every Razor Ramon item, I believe. But it had his face, it had the yellow Razor. It was one of those big, ugly WWF shirts that had, yeah, just giant. Was it face. yellow too? Wasn't it, it was like, yellow, uh, yeah. like highlighted in yellow? Oh man, that's so like, seen that. Yeah. It was like white and gold yellow and his big ass face on it. And uh, yeah, so that was always a classic one that I had. I had a uh, Bret Hart shirt at one point, which was just a picture of Bret Hart uh, doing the uh, his thing where he puts his hands out. Yeah, every every T-shirt from that era was like the guy himself on the shirt, basically. Mm -hmm. So it was just Bret with his arms out like that. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't like the skull and uh, it wasn't like the skull and uh, whatever that is uh, more famous now. It was Bret, it was Bret Hart like a cartoon version of Bret Hart with his hands. Was it out. was it pink? Uh, there was pink in it. It was black around, like, there was, like, pink surrounding Brett on the shirt, but then the main shirt color was black. I, I, rem I remember a Brett shirt that was straight up pink that I was like, you can't, you can't wear that. Back in the day, you couldn't wear just a straight up pink Brett shirt. Now you can. Now it's yeah, a lot. Absolutely. Now, now you're fine. But, you know, and I mean, I, I have a pink dress shirt, you know, that's very nice. But, and I call it my Brett Hart shirt when I put it on. But, you couldn't wear a straight up pink shirt back in uh, 93. Um, I know myself personally during that era, I was still trying to say like, it was all about Hulkamania. So I, I, I would cling to my Hogan shirt and my Brutus, the barber beefcake shirt. Didn't really get much until I, I had a random undertaker shirt at some point, not even being a big undertaker fan. I don't know why I, had, I wasn't a big <laughs> undertaker fan in that era, but there was something about the shirt. It was green. It it was uh it was black with green and it, it glow in the dark. You know, it had the uh, the old logo there on the back, which was awesome. Um, but I remember looking at some of the shirts then and, and not really loving them. Where in the eighties, you'd flip open that shirt page in the magazine oh, and yeah. they'd all be <laughs> modeling the shirt and you'd see George the Animal Steel and Junkyard Dog and the Macho Man and and the Bulldogs and Tito Santana and they're like. Wow, man, that shirt looks great. But then CP's talking about you get this ugly ass Razor Ramon shirt with the gold <laughs> chains and the yellow and the floating emblems. Well, it's like so they, era, I mean, we love this era, as we've said, but it's so colorful. I mean, we brought up, mm -hmm. you know, we talked at nauseum about the clothes Todd Pettengill would wear in our Todd Pettengill yeah. episode. But that's reflected <laughs> in the merchandise. It's all just very, you know, it's right in your face and it's very colorful and very out there. Yeah, I think there was a Shawn Michaels shirt that was like that one too. And I can remember, a, um, I think it was blue, the Shawn Michaels one. Uh, and it was just ugly, like just ugly, ugly, but like a lot of lines and like fluorescence. And, yeah. and not to think like they could have just had a black shirt that said diesel going across it. And that would have been huge, you know, at that point. Or like you said, the Brett skull that they'd have later. All they needed was a skull and it would have been a great Bret Hart shirt. Well, I mean, Austin 316 becomes their biggest shirt of all time, which is just literally Austin 316. You, 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 guys, you guys just uh, reminded me of something. We're talking about merchandise. Uh, so I guess around 94-ish, 95-ish, 
I would have been 10 years old, but uh, at one of the shows I went to, I bought those little sunglasses, the red sunglasses that Shawn Michaels wore. <laughs> I remember <laughs> it's it's so it's so cringy now. Look. It was cringy 15, 20 years ago too. But like I wore it to like family parties and uh <laughs> I remember, like, my aunt being like, "What are you wearing, John Lennon glasses?" I'm like, "No, these are Shawn Michaels glasses." <laughs> like, I got these from the show a week ago. Didn't they sell uh, those? Didn't they sell those in like a pack too, where you could get the little like white and black leather glove things? I didn't. I I know those existed. I didn't get those though. <laughs> I do remember those existing. Yeah, and the hat they had the Shawn Michaels hat. They at did some have point. the hat. The, yeah, the zebra print hat. Thank God it didn't have that one. Thank thank the Lord. Oh, it did not Although now they probably that. fetch top dollar. Now, yeah, you was going to say, you'll see a, a signed Shawn Michaels uh, leopard print hat go by for like, you know, $250 yeah, now. Yeah. So it's, like, it's one of those things. But again, just goes to show you the, the, the stuff you remember. It's like an offshoot. It's like a random piece of, of merchandise where it's very centric when at these signings and at these conventions you see figures or you see the magazines or programs. It's not really anything outside the box where, you know, Nick and I can tell you till the cows come home guys who were bringing up every random thing that these guys were on in the eighties and then the late nineties and the early two thousands that in, for some reason in this bucket of 93 to like 97 just disappeared. <laughs> it's, it's the weirdest weird. It's like, like vacuum, of time that I guess they were just not a hot commodity. That's got to be it. Well, think well, think about this, Chad. Right? How many times have you have you seen people come up with those eighty two All Stars or those eighty five yeah. Wrestling All Star cards? Right? But you'll never see anyone go up to Razor or or Diesel, you know, Nash with one of those action pack 94 cards, you know, <laughs> I got a story. <laughs> oh, do you? Let me hear it. Those are so hideous. <laughs> Continue first and I'll tell the story. No, that's all I was going to say. Cause it goes back to this being like the, the missing era to where, you know, Hogan's gone. Warrior's gone for the most part, you know, macho is there, but he's not really a top guy, but he is a top guy. You know, it's, yeah. it's weird. Like Brett's being pushed now. Sean's being pushed now, but, and I love both those guys, but, you know, especially the mainstream audience at that time, they were never going to compete with, you know, your Hogan's, your Warriors, even, even Macho from three or four years before, you know. So, yeah, the, the merchandise, it does kind of fall through the cracks a bit. Now, so that 95 action-packed card, if you guys don't remember them, they were like – they were raised. They had yep. like this – this mm -hmm. weird like 3D and, and actually to, to just give you a background too, action pack also made uh, one set of baseball cards and they also made a set of football cards for a, a few, maybe they did about two or three years of football, but wow. I know they did one baseball and they did WWF. The set is somewhat limited. And at one of my conventions in Richmond, uh, we had Kevin Nash there and we had some cards and I, I brought stuff over for him to sign. And he got to this card and he said, he started to sign it and he stopped and he looked at me. He goes, this is the worst piece of merchandise with my face on it that I have <laughs> ever come across. He said, I don't even know how to sign this thing. He goes, so I'm just going to write something right here in the middle, really small <laughs> because wow. it's raised and yeah. you can't sign yeah. it because it'll go bumpy across it. So Nash, not a fan of the action packed uh, cards, which is, uh, oh, oh. you know, outside of the tearaway ones in the magazine, that's all they had. 
So, all right, so let's talk about uh, some other things. So, Timmy, you can hit play now because uh, if we think about the Hasbros again, because I'm just salivating looking at that picture and I need it to change. Um, you know, you guys were both subscribers to the magazine. I wasn't. I would just go to the newsstand for it because I, I really loved just going every month to see who was going to be on the cover and if they had one of those spotlight magazines. Uh, that was the best. But the programs is what I wanted to talk about. The programs from the house shows, I think, have some of the best collectability of anything from that they era do. because they were not what they would be a few years later and just be reproductions of the actual magazine. So, Nick, you know, we'll start with you. Those programs with the one sheets in the middle of what was going to be on the card. I would say if I was going to say underneath Coliseum video and the, the Hasbro's, the programs from the house shows are my favorite piece of merchandise from that era. Oh, I, I, I love the programs. And over here, I'll show you. It's from a few years earlier. It's probably 92. But uh, a Virgil program. All right. <laughs> but it happened to be right next to me. So right on cue. But <laughs> uh, the cool thing about those programs, like you were saying, is that they were they were guys. The ones I like are the guys who would never, under any circumstances, make yes. the WWF magazine club. So yeah. – you, you can get Virgil on it. You get Coco Beware or Ronnie Garvin on it. You know, you might get uh, the Smoking Guns on it. You know, uh, the Head Shrinkers might be on a program cover. And I think that's so cool because obviously you're going to have Brett, Sean, Yoko, Taker in this era, Macho maybe on a lot of the covers. But the programs, they had 12 different, I think it, they came up monthly, I think as well. And uh, yeah, it, I like for just for pure collectible purposes I, I like having the different covers that's the best now, how about you cp you know those uh, those house shows and the programs were you uh, were you a program collector from that era yeah no i always automatically got the program so i mean i don't remember how many house shows i went to but i must have had at least nine or ten programs and i did always save them as you know uh, everything else I had that I lost at one point, which Chancellor's aware of. Very <laughs> but, uh, sad. I didn't want to bring it up. I'll let you <laughs> take care of that. But yeah, I remember um, what Nick is talking about too. Like the, I think there was uh, from '93-ish. There was a Marty Jannetty program where he was on the yes, cover. Yes, there was. Uh, <laughs> that's yeah. definitely a cool one out there. And it was it was just fun because yeah, it was de it was definitely unique from the magazine. Like there was different articles that you weren't getting in the magazine. It felt like you were onto something special. And then you had that insert with the match rundown and everything that was going on that night at your particular show that made it even more unique. To say DP, that well. DP, would you write on the insert the results or would you keep it clean? I think I've done both before. I had a couple where I circled uh, winners at least. Yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. Kind of 50-50 depending on my mood and if I had a pen. See, yeah. I never did. I would not touch the, the one sheet. I kept those things completely pristine. I wouldn't want it folded. I would just keep it there. I would keep the thing on my lap. I would not want it to be creased. I wouldn't want it to be crumpled. And I, that was my favorite part of, of the magazine was the one sheet. Cause then, you know, even though I knew it was, you know, on Fox five to watch WWF superstars, sometimes they'd just tell you like, you know, if you were in Philly, they'd say, you know, Oh, catch superstars of wrestling on channel 31. You're like 31. The heck is this? I mean, it'd be on channel five, you know, like it's, uh, mm -hmm. those cool little things about that. Um, but those itself, they turned into a, a monster. There's people who just collect, the inserts of the house shows because they didn't always end up being the card you saw. You'd see, you know, if it said, uh, you know, Typhoon versus the Repo Man, it might end up being, uh, you know, the Repo Man versus Crush. And mm -hmm. you'd be like, oh, damn it, I wanted to see Typhoon tonight. Like, I'm devastated uh, because those substitutions happened at last minute. And yeah, that and was uh, always a cool difference. And if you didn't write it down, how were you going to remember if there was a random appearance by the Brooklyn Brawl? 
<laughs> you know, the sad part is, is we can sit there and, and remember those instances where they switch guys on a house show. And you probably, if I gave you like half the card, wouldn't be able to tell me what happened a month ago on a Monday Night Raw <laughs> or a SmackDown. True. And it's, it's, it, but it means something. So this is the perfect transition as we're watching it on this WWF mania. They're in front of the Coliseum video booth with a guy who is an amazing, amazing dude. And that's Hillbilly Jim, who was an ambassador for Coliseum video at this point uh, for the WWF. Um, and to me, it starts and it stops with Coliseum video. And if anybody knows me, you know that that's my deal. Coliseum video basically is what it, it turned me into a from a fan into a mark because I literally took those things and studied them like it was a Bible. I watched everyone from start to finish a bazillion times and it always starts and stops for me. And in this era, Coliseum video is so vastly underrated because the matches that are hidden on some of these tapes that did not sell well and weren't in all the video stores are some of the best that you could possibly find anywhere. And we're talking your invasion of the body slammers or battle of the, the, you know, the third annual battle of the superstars or WrestleFest 94 or WrestleFest 95 stuff that not a lot of people saw is hidden inside of these Coliseum videos and I gotta I gotta put Coliseum video over big. Who would run to the video store every month to check out what was new and what was on the shelf? CP, we'll start with you. Yeah, I mean that's the first place I went in the video store anytime I was there. Depending on the video store I was in, obviously some would have like seven things and other people would have a larger section. Uh, but yeah, I was always looking for Coliseum video or whatever the last pay per view was to see if it was out yet. The best. How about you, Timmy? Now you're a, a video junkie like myself. Where does Coliseum Video rank on your uh, your must have or or to do list as a uh, as a young fan growing up? Uh, well, as I was telling you earlier, I, I have the whole collection of all the videos. I just haven't converted a lot of them yet, but that's been one of my goals with my current collection is just to complete that. You know, every single one invented, but. Yeah, I was a VHS junkie back in, in that time as a kid for all sports, and especially when WWF came in Coliseum Video, man. You couldn't beat those those unusual matches and, and stuff oh, you normally wouldn't best. see put together. I learned a lot of history through those things that were before our time, so that's what I loved about them was the history of it. Yeah, and then Nick, you know, you know, it's it was a lot different than having to have a, a library of recorded tapes. These are these are a little bit different, and you know, and for me, the collectability was whenever they put them on a previously viewed rack, and like literally, like losing my stuff and being like, I gotta get it. I, I don't even care what it takes. I gotta get it. Where were you at with the Coliseum videos? Same thing. Like I'd run to my my video store, and they had all of the best of the WWFs, the you know the strangest, strongest. Uh, you know, by the way, off topic but not, I hated this opening theme of the Coliseum Home oh. Video. I'm the old school Coliseum opening guy, so this meant that I was not going to enjoy the video as much. Typically, when I got this variation of this is this is version two for those of you who are coliseum video fanatics and my uncle who was listening to this who was the guy who got me on my coliseums he'll know this one well this is like only between basically the middle of 1987 to about the beginning of 1988 this did not last very long but uh i don't put it in the same column as nick but i understand where he's coming from as a purist (laughs) i will say this to this day i haven't seen that tito santana macho man match that they show in the clip and I'm going to have to search it on YouTube tonight because 
they had some really great matches in A6 and A7. Yeah, and I believe I forget I I know which tape it's on. I just can't get it in front of me because I I do know which match it is. I just text, can't text remember it off the top of my head. I'll have to look for it. It's on one of those kind of like what Timmy was saying, like most unusual matches or grudge. It maybe it's grudge matches. It's it's one of those offshoot tapes that. Again, these were things that we studied. We had to live off these kids. We did not have YouTube. We did not have the network. We did not have the uh, Daily Motion. We we didn't have this kind of stuff uh, available to us. We had to go off of what was out there commercially. Um, and like I said, during that era, the Coliseum videos, and I, and I think I mentioned this on another episode, um, but one of the matches that's hidden inside of these things is probably the best match of the 90s for the WWF, and it's the Steiner brothers versus the Hart brothers, Brett and Owen. It's on one of these offshoot Coliseum videos from that era. That was the first match I thought of from this era, the Steiner brothers versus the Hart's match. Absolutely. There you go. It's, when did they yeah, leave it's the clamshell, a... Chad? When did they go from the clamshell to the normal tape box? What, what so the last clamshell, I believe it was either the Brutus the Barber beefcake tape. It was either that one or there was – I don't know. Hulk, yeah, I think it was that one because Hulkamania 3 is the first one in a standard box. Okay. Uh, Hulkamania 3 and Survivor Series, I think, are the, okay. the first two that were released together in the same box. Or it was either Brutus – or Saturday night's main event. It's one of those two. I just, I'd have to look at the numbers on the side of the spine. So around 88 though, right? But it was definitely, it was beginning of 88. Cause I know beefcake is definitely 88. And, uh, and the um, Saturday night's main event is also 88. Uh, again, that's something I'm going to have to look at later, but I used to have all of them. When a, a video store was going out of business, I was like a shark. I would literally be combing the place waiting for them to go on sale or i would just have the cojones to go up to the desk and be like look could you tell me when was the last time you rented these wrestling tapes and and i purchased them from you <laughs> that's awesome you were a hustler i like it i was uh, that's uh early early writing stories of the tmpt were going to video stores throughout the uh the new jersey and sometimes into new york uh area to uh to look for places that were selling shout tapes. out to jp J exactly JP uh it, it was he and I rode the roads many times looking for them Coliseum videos uh for sure but that to me that's the ultimate that that is the best and to see Hillbilly Jim on that um uh that WWF Mania just cool because Hillbilly Jim I mean what's more non new generation than <laughs> Hillbilly Jim as much as I love him he's he's so not new generation uh it, it's not even funny <laughs> <laughs> so the, the that country boys coliseum home video you know what i'm talking about the hillbilly mm -hmm. jim and his family or whatever yeah I, I saw that advertised all of the time i never saw it until about the last year when they put it on the network and i went and and watched it and it, i felt complete after that because it was one of the <laughs> coliseum home videos that i had never seen it and that was one that was better. at my store yeah. all the time. <laughs> really? <laughs> See, I, I never physically saw a copy. I know what the photo looks like in the cover, uh, but no, never physically saw it. I heard them advertise it. Oh, that, that was my favorite thing about Coliseum Home Video. Those two-minute advertisements at the end of yes. whatever you were watching. Yes, 100%. But we're going backwards now, Nick. We're, we're trying to all stay right. in the mid-90s. Right, you got me excited. <laughs> This is not the Federation era uh, declassified. So, I apologize. So we, we got that, that's, TP, that's what were you about to say? Um, oh, no, I was just going to I was gonna make a comment about the uh, Hillbilly Gym tape. But I always feel more comfortable when Uncle Elmer is on my television. <laughs> <laughs> 
You'd be the only one. He wasn't very, he wasn't liked much. So uh, you'd be the only one who would say that. Uh, and I'm trying to think about uh, something oh. else here. Oh, God. <laughs> See, this is why I love the video element. We just saw Johnny Polo uh, pop up on our screen in a very loud uh, t shirt uh, or button down shirt. There's his polo stick. Uh, Johnny Polo, no merch. See, this is what I'm talking about. Every guy in the 80s had merch. Johnny Polo didn't have any merch. Where's the replica Johnny Polo sticks that should have been in the magazine? <laughs> How about let, let's talk about this guy specifically? And we're seeing Lex Luger take the stage. Now, you would think in the vein of Hulk Hogan that Lex Luger would be a guy who'd be merchandised to the gills, but he wasn't. Now, again, do you think it's because these guys at that point were sort of like, you know, not the cast offs of the WWF, but like just that they didn't have confidence in them as, as product sellers, because you would think Lex Luger with the way he looks and the red, white, and blue that he'd be on everything that Hulk Hogan was, but it wasn't even on uh, on a schmidgen of, of what Hogan was on, you know, only a year or two prior to this and in, in the tail end of Hulkamania. It is super weird. I, I mean, he was shoved down everyone's throat for a little period, but I have very little memory of Lex Luger merchandise. I remember you know, I remember Razor Ramon stuff being all over the place, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, those Undertaker foam graveyard uh, gravestones. Those things were great. I don't remember seeing much Stars and Stripes stuff for Lex Luger, though. How about you, Nick? No, yeah, same thing. And uh, uh, by the way, I'm making a mental note because I did not know that Luger and Rick Martel had a match together in the WWF. That's <laughs> really cool. The same thing. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. That is really awesome. So thank you, Tim, you know for what? pulling that up. But well, you know um, what's funny, Nick, you but just to cut you off before you start, mm -hmm. we talked about Luger, you and I, when we were discussing you coming on the show. So you you would know this perfectly. You know, you see the stuff that you've worked with Luger a couple of times. You mm -hmm. know what stuff he's got out there. And it's like this era, it's outside of like we said, magazines, a couple Hasbro figures, whatever. You would think he would have been on all the Hogan stuff, and and it's amazing to see he was not. Absolutely, and and like you said, at that point, I mean, he, him or him and Brett were the two, you know, uh, really the focus the focus of the promotion from you know that late ninety three to to mid ninety four with Undertaker obviously around two and Razor, but uh, yeah, of the four of them, and Lex at one point was I guess the guy, you know, and they all have more memorable merchandise than he does. So, yeah, I don't know what that was about, really. R give me some wristbands, you know? Yeah, give me, yeah, right? uh, <laughs> Give me a Made in the USA uh, bandana. G give me something like that. I mean, yeah, give me, give me a bicycle pad. You know what I mean? Elbow pads or something like what that. About, what about a little a little Lex Express, like Hasbro kind of gimmick? Yeah, or a little <laughs> bus, a, a Matchbox car style yeah. bus. Yeah, yeah, that's of, what I meant. Matchbox. Of Lex Express, yeah. you know, like yeah. where yeah, that's exactly right. And you would think yeah. Vince would be all over that because if, if, if you fast forward to the Attitude Era, that's the only one where I can say that they surpassed whatever the Federation years uh, sure. merchandise was because they were on everything. And I remember even being in one of those Tuesday morning stores, which is basically, you know, like closeout merchandise um, only a few years ago while I lived in Virginia. And that's within the last eight years and still seen WWF attitude era marbles mm -hmm. <laughs> with the undertaker and Austin and Kane and the rock on these marbles in, on the peg, not like oh, we just found this on the bottom underneath a, 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 a you know a rack. On the actual peg, just to show you, they were on 
every freaking piece of merchandise pitched to them only four years after we're watching this clip. It's unbelievable. You know, I, I want to bring up something, guys, and it just popped in my head now. I've never thought about this. But that, like, late 93, most of 94, Vince was on trial. That was during the steroid oh, trial. True. And I wonder true. how much that had to do with some of the new ideas they had, or maybe there wasn't, like, you know, a spark trying to come up with these new ways to shill different kinds of merchandise. Because, yeah, it's a very un-Vince-like un -Vince -like thing to not have something out for everyone in all kinds of different variety, you know, when you look at this track record. Especially when their show is such a kid-oriented show. Yeah, yeah, right. absolutely. Right. Now, see, here's the flip side, and I know there's a lot of people listening to this who would probably get on me if I didn't mention it. And and at that point, I was, but I'm not anymore. One thing they were on were video games. And I know we can both run the gamut of four video games from this era of, you know, WWF Raw, uh, WWF Royal Rumble, uh, WrestleMania the Arcade game, uh, Rage in the Cage on the Sega CD, you know, Game Boy games, Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis, regular Nintendo. Uh, that was one market that they were mm -hmm. kicking ass in. Yeah, and and I'd not now I don't know the collectability of a uh, video game cartridge. I don't know if anybody on the panel here does, but to, I would absolutely say that, and I believe that was the guy that I worked with, uh, <laughs> that I worked for actually when uh, when I worked at WWE. Um, but uh, the video games was one place where they freaking dominated that whole entire run because every year they still had a new game coming out. So, and I know that was a huge highlight whenever their their games came out. So there's one way they did kind of dominate. Yeah, they absolutely did. Um, yeah, it was it was at least yearly they were coming out with a game, and they were all, as you said, it was all just you know when that game came out, it was fun, especially in your house. The later new generation, I yeah, it still st it still falls in the bin of new generation, the in your house <laughs> one, PlayStation. So they I like ran the, steel the table. Cage game, Sega. Exactly. Yeah, the the, the rage in the cage, right? Because the rage in the cage game had guys that weren't in any of the other games. Yeah, Kamala nails, right? Yeah, Samuel. yeah. The head, the head shrinkers, you know. Yep. Um, uh, I'm trying to think. That, uh, who else? Maybe I, I don't. Know, maybe a Cru Rick Martell. There was some in there. Crush. Yeah, uh, evil or uh, good guy. Crush. Ooh, no, I think it was Kona Crush. Kona Crush. Okay. Yeah. Because we don't want to talk about him when he turns uh, to evil uh, crush, because that was as a heartbreaking moment, and we don't uh, we don't want to get sentimental here. You know, we don't know why he turned on the Macho Man. <laughs> <laughs> we're still asking, and you mentioned something that we're going to get to before we wrap up, um, where we talked about it in week two or three. But I want to get your opinion on it. But I'm going to wrap with that in a couple of minutes. Uh, Tim, how about you? Did you play any of the uh, the video games? What are uh, some of those that may stand out for you. Yeah, of course, man. I was all about the Sega ones, but honestly, I, it takes me back to the day, talking video games is the uh, WrestleMania, what was it, WrestleMania Challenge arcade game? When you oh, go down yeah, to the arcade and just, yeah. yeah, throw quarter after quarter after quarter into those, you know, this is, you know, slightly before this era, maybe, but it was still at that time. I was. They transcended it was still no it was still there i remember yeah. going to places in 98 99 they still had those wrestlemania arcade games that oh, were yeah. or the wrestle fest Re wrestle yeah. fest with andre the giant and the mega bucks and that whole storyline yeah. could be the greatest arcade game ever there 
don't at me. <laughs> yes, arcades like right near where I live is an old school uh, arcade. Anytime I go in there, all I do is play WrestleFest. That's oh, they have they they is Yesterkade still around? Yesterkade's there's Yesterkade's in Red Bank, New Jersey, and they have a WrestleFest '92, I believe. Oh, that's cool. great. Yeah, yeah. I'm well, I'm glad to know Yesterkade's is still there because I would have thought they uh, that wouldn't have lasted because it was such a cool idea. <laughs> um, but that's great. Um, but before we let's we're gonna head to the wrap up here in a minute. But before we do, you know, we talked about it a few weeks ago, uh, talking about the top stars of the new generation. Okay. And uh, Nick, you met, you just went through the four names that we mentioned before. So you got your Big Daddy Cool, you got your Bret Hart, you got your Undertaker, you got your Razor Ramon, and we'll if we even want to go as far as to throw Shawn Michaels in there, that's a top five mm-hmm. of the guys. Now I kind of put the Undertaker at the back end of my list because I don't feel like the Undertaker was any bit uh, revered as the top star he would become to the company. So. I don't know where you're at. If you were to rank those five in terms of their, uh, you know, uh, I guess, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Would you say impact or would you say, uh, you know, uh, the, the, where they lie as the top star of the generation? If you were to rank those five, where would you put them? Uh, well, it is weird in that all of those guys besides Undertaker like kind of competed for the title often i feel like 93 94 95 undertaker he got screwed over the one Royal rumble title shot in 94 with yoko but i feel like that he was never really in the title picture so he was almost doing his own thing not worrying about titles fighting lots of obese or really tall wrestlers and everyone else was having good matches like with direct title implications so it's kind of so from that aspect, he would probably be, yeah, I guess the least important of the five because he held right. the least amount of titles compared to those guys. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree. So, who would you put as the top spot then? Who's the the Ooh. leader of the new generation? Now, I, 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 it's it's a wrestling spot. You could you could go back and forth. This is, is it, Brett? Is it Diesel? I, I think know? as a ki- as a kid and as an adult, I got I gotta say Brett. Just he has the longevity, you know, and uh, from that era, like he was already a top guy in 93. You know, he was still a top guy in 97, where Sean was still coming up. And, you know, Diesel was just a bodyguard for 93, you know, for the most part. Yeah. Uh, and obviously Razor, he was a huge factor. I I mean, it's just got to be Brett. He had more merchandise and, you know, a couple of world title runs, you know, and he was always everything Brett did just felt big. Like, you know, like Sean was, was wrestling to 15 minute draws against Kama. And, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> and I love Sean. I, I probably actually like Sean match for match more than Brett. If that, that may be sacrilege, but I, but Brett's kind of the guy for yeah. that era, I, I think. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. We all had different uh, opinions on it. It's just, it's one of what those things. Think? See, I, 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 you know, I don't know. I can't even remember what I said off the top of my head. I think I went with <laughs> Diesel, didn't I? I think I said, Big Daddy Cool because of the year title reign. And, and you know, yeah. he kind of set the pace. Uh, a little bias you know. from going to the shows. <laughs> what, with Diesel? <laughs> he's, yeah, he's going to be heavy on him after, you know, being at the house shows and seeing him win the title and everything. So I can see that. No, no, that was CP who saw him win the title. I'm just saying with, with Diesel, he was the champ for a year. So it's hard to not give him the, the nod where Brett, I love Brett and could watch a Brett match, you know, uh, all day, every day. 
I just don't know if I put him in the the top spot as the leader of that era. How about you, CP? What do you want to delve back into that uh, argument quickly? Yeah, I mean, I think I put Brett at the top. I think Brett is the clear top to me. He's, as Nick said, he's there the whole time. He's near the title picture from the beginning. I think we've argued about when the era starts. I think it starts when Bret Hart wins the title for the first time, uh, frankly. Um, but yeah, I would put, I think the only place I would, I mean, I agree that Diesel should be somewhere in there. I don't know where exactly. I think I put The Undertaker a little higher than you just because even though yes. he wasn't fighting for the title, he was always in his feud was always kind of like the co or co co main event, whoever he was dealing with. And then he was constantly headlining those house shows where the title wasn't on the house show or the champion left at intermission. Either one of those. Yeah. That's a, I, I feel deciding where this era starts can be an entire entirely episode one we and we had difference of opinion oh, on that i'm good i didn't hear episode one i'm gonna have to go back and listen so i think it actually starts king of the ring 93 hogan loses to yoko oh, Brett wins goes later that's later we we went a lot we went earlier oh, really? than that oh, okay so you guys went nine strictly 92 so i went the the we the literal launch of monday night raw as the start okay. of the the new generation but cp he takes it back to when Brett beats Ric Flair and that ushering in the era of new generation. I mean, they're both – It's realistically, of course, everything's opinion, but those those are great start points. I mean, two so you, huge start you points. You do it when Hogan is killed and gone. So, yes, that you, and so Hogan like, is killed and he's done. Correct. Hogan's done with the WWE and Brett's pretty much – or WWF, I should say. And Brett's pretty much kind of the top guy now, he, you know, because Lex hadn't even turned. No, at the King of the Ring, you know, he turns a couple of weeks later on the Intrepid. So yeah. it's like, wow, Brett just beat Razor, Mr. Perfect, and Bam Bam Bigelow. He is like the guy now. Hulk Hogan's done. You know, even as a kid, I I felt that. That's that is like a clean break. You say it that way. Yeah, yeah. But and I mean, it, it severs the ties because, like, your guy Virgil, he was still flood, uh, you know, floating around. <laughs> 93 into a little bit of 94. So Virgil's still around, you know, and, and guys like Tito who would be there for a little while and be phased out. Maybe that's it. Maybe when Hogan gets the, uh, the, the flash bulb to the face, maybe that's the end of it. Hey, you mentioned, we, uh, we, you mentioned Yoko a second before, and he was on our video screen. Do you think he never comes up in our top five, but he was dominant for 1993. Well, I say the face of the era. I wouldn't put Yoko yeah, yeah, yeah. as the face of the era or the guy who you say is the top top star because, look, guess who else we haven't mentioned? Lex Luger. So he didn't make it into the top five. So it's one of those things. How about Tatanka, man? We just saw it get smushed by Yoko. I mean, Tatanka was over his shit for a yeah. period of time. So How long was he undefeated for? He had the crazy undefeated yeah. streak. Exactly. Over a year, yeah. Exactly. So, uh, yeah. All right. And one more closing thing on merchandise. Um, if we miss anything, you know, please let us know. Obviously we would love to, uh, hear that as we're watching Todd Pettengill throw like a girl. Um, speaking of the face of the new generation, (laughs) you're right. Todd Pettengill may be (laughs) the answer to the question. Episode two, Nick, of, uh, of this show, uh, where we coined the wine too. Uh, we did talk about Stephanie on that show, but we coined the phrase uh, "I'm your Pettengill" on that uh, <laughs> uh, on that episode. 
He does throw like a girl, man. Wow, that's that's bad. Uh, closing comments on the merchandise. I'm going to just say, for me, it starts and stops at Coliseum Video with the second nod to the Hasbros. Uh, I love it. If I could find more stuff I've never seen before, I'm sure there's some weird UK or some uh, international merchandise that we never saw. So, um, you know, I would love to be introduced to that at some point. CP, what's your closing remarks? Yeah, no, I think I think it's a pretty fun era for merchandise. It's a, it's a lost era, as Nick stated, but there were some cool things that uh, were pretty unique. I go back to uh, Tim mentioned in the very beginning, he made a foam finger joke. They were foam figures for everybody at that time. And uh, <laughs> yeah, they went into the uh, the headstone for The Undertaker, which I mentioned earlier. And my favorite, probably my favorite merchandise I had for this era was the the razor foam razor, uh, the co-cutting foam razor, which I have mentioned mostly on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> not not really kid friendly the uh <laughs> the coke the coke cutting foam finger uh, how about you timmy <laughs> how about you timmy any closing remarks uh just one odd like i guess random merch that i maybe you guys have seen i don't know but um this thing went with me even through probably up till college when i moved to college um it was an actual WWF wrestling magazine box to store your magazines and programs in. Interesting. Really? Yeah. It was about, I'd say, like three foot by three foot, maybe. It was heavy as shit. Um, my parents hated it because we had to lug it wherever we moved, and I had you know <laughs> hundreds of magazines in there. But yeah, I, I just uh, that always comes back to mind when you know, talking about merch. Just th- That thing was, was with me everywhere I went. Where, I was, like, was it like LOD and Hogan on that? No, it was if I remember right, it was like black and gold, and just mostly said WWF across all the sides. Oh wow, I don't know that. Damn, I've never heard I of gotta, that before. I'm interested to look that up now because I haven't even thought about that in years. Oh geez, that's pretty cool. Uh, how about you, Nick? Any uh, any closing comments here about the merchandise of the era? Well, I think I think like anything in terms of uh, you know when you're looking over like a history of something. You know, the forgotten about eras in some ways are the most interesting, you know. Uh, so lots of the stuff that you guys have gotten my memory flowing, moving a little bit just because, you know, I was a kid during this era. So I have such strong memories. But for some reason, I don't always think back to this era. I think Attitude Era when I was in high school or I think, you know, you know, LJN era from when I was a kid kid. So just talking about this era is so interesting because it really almost in some ways is like a forgotten era when it comes to merchandise or even really, uh, you know, they weren't really packing them in the way they were, uh, you know, in Sky Dome, you know, four and five years earlier. And, you know, uh, for the big event 10 years before that, you know, so it's an interesting era just because uh, obviously they, they don't stop working as hard, but, you know, they're just not maybe doing as many different things. Yeah, you're exactly right. And the house shows, you know, being what they were. That's why, you know, those those inserts that we're talking about being so uh, kind of hard to keep intact because, uh, you know, not as many people were going to them. So there's not as many floating around yeah. from the mid-90s that there were from, say, you know, right. you go to a Meadowlands show at, in 88, 89, 90, and you see a lot of them in different spots. Um, so, yeah, I completely agree uh, with you in that regard. That's a great point. So, um, all right, well, we'll head into the wrap-up here. Uh, brand new, new generation declassified on the TMPT Empire. Of course, TMPTEmpire.com, where you get all the podcasts, all the amazing things going on in this world and all the uh, the wrestling worlds that we keep underneath the, the roof of the Empire. Uh, check us out if you can, or if you're not already, then I don't know how you're listening to this show, because you got to be subscribed to hear it. 
Um, so I'll, I'll go to our guest first here. Uh, Nick, you know, we mentioned the wrestling classic. We mentioned, you know, the, the litany of superstars that'll be there crossing all generations of wrestling. Uh, you do a lot of great stuff. You've been whooping ass with the, uh, the Facebook lives. So, you know, please, the, the floor is yours. Feel free to, uh, discuss and share any specific details that you like. Uh, it's all you, my friend. Well, once again, I want to thank you guys for having me on. And uh, I like uh, I like what I like the way the show went, you know, just talking about this time of era, this era of wrestling, which, you know, is a forgotten about time, but a fun time, you know. Uh, so, yeah, uh, with the conventions kind of, you know, slowing down a bit, you know, or in some cases coming to a complete stop. I've been doing the Facebook lives at Captain's Corner, but the Wrestling Classic at www.therestlingclassicct.com will be happening September 19th. Uh, Sergeant Slaughter. Ricky Steamboat. I'll throw out uh, that Mike Rotunda, IRS, from this era will be there. We haven't officially announced him yet, so if anyone, you know, is downloads the show in the next week or so, they'll they'll get a little sneak preview. But uh, yeah, and then they can look me up on Captain's Corner at Nicholas Massey. Always love talking wrestling. Always love uh, buying new things, and I got a bunch of stuff for sale too. So uh, please hit me up. And once again, thank you for having me on, guys. Oh, my pleasure. Nick is uh, one of, uh, if not the rarest breed of promoter because he's nice, he's professional, and he's normal. So he kind of fits into <laughs> a very uh, very rare bin of, of wrestling promoter and convention promoter. And uh, I've really enjoyed you know, being uh, getting to know Nick over the last couple of years and uh, thrilled to have him on the show uh and letting him kind of delve into this era with us uh timmy you're you're very yeah sure sorry um do you mostly promote up northeast or what what part of the country so uh yeah i promoted uh typically new york new jersey connecticut uh as far south though as florida uh, I work, yeah, okay. uh, my, my buddy Barry Rose uh, runs the CWF Legends Fan Fest, which specializes yep. in uh, the reunion of the wrestlers from uh, Eddie Graham's territory from the 60s, 70s, and 80s. I've worked that show. Mm -hmm. And and uh, also, cheap plug, I, I was the co-author of One Last Ride, The Tale of Cowboy Scott Casey. So I went out to oh, Texas wow. for some signings uh, you know, last year when that book came out. But uh, besides that, most of the time, I, I am pretty much in, in the Northeast. Okay, cool. Yeah, we never get much down here in Florida, so I'm glad to hear that. Oh, yeah, no, there's there's so many. I mean, as Chad could tell you, the convention scene is so heavy up in the tri-state area that yeah. the people up here uh, take for granted what people in a lot of other states you oh, know, yeah. can't go to because, you know, and I'd love to be a part of bringing, bringing conventions like that to other states. So me and Chad, we got to get our own Lexix Chad Express and start going <laughs> state to state playing uh, I Need a Hero. We've, uh, you know, we've been in some crazy spots, some some great areas, you know, your North Carolinas of the world, and obviously Richmond was a great area. But yeah, Florida, oddly enough, unless it's a big one like a WrestleCon, they've tried mm -hmm. a few times, but I don't think they've ever had the right guy behind the shows that kind of go through Florida. So they haven't taken off, if you will. And and not to put the Northeast guys over, but I mean, there's a reason why they're all in that area because it's very, you know, it's very business centric in that regard and we can go from new york to new jersey to philly within four weeks of one another have the same guys at the shows and be in completely different markets and have a fresh start and it's it's fascinating and, and nick knows nick's coming from connecticut i'm coming from virginia and we hit those those three states philly 
New Jersey, New York. And you know, the big event is one week, two weeks later is Legends of the Ring. Two weeks after that is the Icons. And you sit there and you go, this is, I just saw this guy three times, you know, like, but it's, it's all in a different market, but that's the beauty of, of that tri-state area that you can, uh, you can do your shows. The in. ironic part too, is that half of the guys are flying out of Florida. So if there was something right. in Florida, <laughs> you know, it was cut, cut a lot of transportation money in half. Yeah. I mean, they all live down here. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Don't tell them that though. Don't tell that to the promoters. They don't, you don't want to give them a break down there. Yeah. You don't want to. You, you don't want to help them out. Um, all right, Timmy, and then share your very controversial uh, Twitter handle. Um, and thanks again for uh, another magical work. Uh, a week of video work as we're watching Mean Gene dress up like a bushwhacker. <laughs> yeah, throwing some um, you know comedy your way, you know, courtesy of Coliseum. Um, at Twitter, Twitter is um, at Vazdeferan, V-A-S-D-E-F-E-R-A-N. Um, no special meaning unless, you know, you want to look it up. But I'd suggest not. <laughs> if you don't know what a Vazdeferan is at this point in your life, then you definitely need to get your head checked. Um, but uh, Timmy said it's a South Park reference, which also, if you didn't know that, you have to get your head checked. So, uh, and you wouldn't be allowed on this show then. Uh, and then CP, the Sticky Moves podcast. Uh, I've already talked. Oh, Nick, you didn't plug any of the boxing stuff, but we'll talk about that in, in other weeks. We'll let CP take the floor, talk about the Stick and Moves podcast. That's the boxing aficionado on these airwaves. All so, right. CP, the floor is yours. Yeah, well, we have uh, season one of the Stick and Move Stories podcast, 12 episodes online. It's a focus of historic fights. We cover the rivalry, fight itself, and post fight. There are 12 episodes in season one. You can find them at facebook.com slash stick and move stories podcast or just stick and move stories podcast you can google and it'll be the top thing in your uh, search uh we are going to have season two launch i was looking for later this summer but it's probably going to be around labor day at this point but i have something pretty special planned that i'm going to talk about in the next few weeks uh at some point other than that later i'll be crying myself to sleep thinking of the diesel razor ramon two-pack uh two-pack uh, Jack's two-pack that I had at one point in my life that I no longer have possession of. And uh, if you want to ask me about that, you can check me out on Twitter at Pugs. That's P-U-G-Z-Z-Z, at Pugs with three Zs. <laughs> that's a great two-pack. I'm not going to lie. That was uh, another <laughs> one. Came out after they were gone. So that's how it had collectability. And you couldn't get it in many places. Uh, but again, we're going to go back down the well here, guys. We're trying to wrap it up. Oh, no, I just – I was watching The Warrior almost accidentally killed oh. Brother Love. <laughs> See, that's the funny – that's the great part about the visual. <laughs> that, that's what – He was great. You get lost. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You know, and if he had hit him with it, we wouldn't have had uh, the world of uh, Brother Brucey. So, yeah. uh, you dude, know, dude, dude. that's either Brucey. That's either a good job uh, by the warrior or a bad job by the warrior, depending <laughs> on who you're asking. But uh, all right, folks, that's enough. And uh, by the way, for me, it's at Chad EMB. Not to revisit my plugs, but I forgot to mention it. So it's at Chad EMB on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, really appreciate you staying tuned and, and all the great feedback we've gotten so far. Uh, please reach out and touch us and let us know more. And uh, let us know if you'd like to do anything specific. Because uh, the merchandise is fun, and we'll probably come back to the merchandise at some point just to see if there's any updates on stuff that we miss. So, for the Crack Broadcast team, uh, this is the Chadster, and we will catch you next time on the flip side. Thanks for listening to the two man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.